0: And we look at 2 Peter chapter 1 where the Bible tells us that God has given us all things that will help us live this life and live a godly life. And then we learned how to add to our faith virtue and temperance and so on, brotherly love and charity and kindness and all of those things in the first part of the year. And then over the Christmas season, over the past few weeks, we looked at considering Christ at Christmas and we, we talked about His eternality and we considered His presence. We considered His omnipotence and His omniscience, His deliverance. We considered His holiness and His forgiveness. We considered His power, His provision. And then we considered His suffering. And then we considered His preeminence. His priority, And I told you that all of that was to lay the groundwork for our theme for this year. And if you've got the calendar there, the theme verse is here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. And our theme is bold and underlined. And our theme this year is consider Him. Consider Him. Now I told you after we finished considering Christ this Christmas that it built the foundation. And that you would either think one of two things... Wow, what an awesome segue into it, or man, that just seems really lazy. I don't know which direction you're leaning, amen? Uh, But Calvary Baptist Church, doctrine that's worth the drive, we're going to consider Him. And we're going to look here at Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to learn the importance of considering Christ. Now, you'll remember, we just finished this Hebrew studies not too long ago. We were in Hebrews chapter 12. We finished with that godly conclusion in chapter 13. But we're going to read two verses this morning verse 2 and 3, as we stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, if you're able, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and verse 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning and we thank You so much for the the hymns that we were able to sing. We thank You that that no one has ever cared for us like You. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Lord, we're grateful of all the truths of Scripture that we have salvation because of that free gift, that death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray that You would guide our thoughts and guide our lips this morning as we preach and as we teach. We pray that this this theme that You've laid on our heart for many months now would, would resonate within our church family and would encourage us to consider Your Son this year as we make this not just foundational for this year, but as this becomes the foundation for the rest of our lives that Your Son, Jesus Christ, should have the preeminence. Lord, I pray that You'd be with us. Help us this morning to preach Your Word faithfully. Help us not to preach our own opinion, but help us to just stick to the old book. Lord, we love You. We thank You so much for loving us. Be with those that cannot be here and wish they could. Be with those who are for whatever reason. Pray that You'd bless them, encourage them, convict them. Lord, we pray that You'd be with us now. In Christ's name, and for Christ's sake, Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Consider Him. Now, I thought it was interesting because I didn't really think of it this way. Uh, uh, There are a lot of people uh, who, in my ministry connection group online, there's about, last time I looked it was some 14,000 ministers and deacons and missionaries and things like that and some and they ask these questions you know what's going to be your theme for the year and so a lot of people were using hebrews and this was already this was like two weeks ago. I'd already had all this done and we were ready, and they were looking at Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, and because this is the year 2020, and so all their themes have to do with looking, because 2020 vision. And I remember thinking at first, man, I'm really dumb. I didn't I've been in this passage for months now praying over verse 3, and verse 2 fits along with the year, but then I thought, nah, that's too easy. I'm too complicated. I like to keep things complicated, amen. So we're at verse 3. But we're looking unto Jesus. We're not going to spend a lot of time in verse 2 because we've already considered this. Look back at verse 1. Let's get some context here just for the sake of the passage. And we're building up to this consider Him. That's our theme for this year. That's what we want to do. We want to consider Christ not just at Christmas, not just at Easter, not just at New Year's when we're making resolutions and determining I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. No, we want to consider Christ in everything that we do. So look, verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now what's that great cloud of witnesses? You say, oh, that's the ones that have gone on before us. No, it's not. Those are not people that we love. We're not compassed about with people that we love watching us. Friend, that would not be heaven. That would not be heaven to die and to be stuck in a stadium seat and to be looking down on our children failing to live the way that, God, that would be pleasing to God. That would not be heaven. Amen? When we're in heaven, where are we? We're at the feet of Jesus. We're focused on Him. Amen? That's where we're at. We're at the feet of Jesus. We're focused on Him. So what's this great cloud of witnesses? Well, it has to do with chapter 11. Chapter 11 is often called the faith chapter. You have the hall of faith, so to speak. So many different men and women from the Word of God that are given examples of faith. And faith is defined for us in chapter 11 and verse 1. This word wherefore in verse number 12, it it means as a result of. Therefore means that because of this, this is true. Wherefore is as a result of the proceeding, now we have some clarity on our own life here. And so wherefore, as a result of this great cloud of witnesses, this Hall of faith. These men and women that have gone before. Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud. That great cloud is chapter 11. Those examples that have gone on before us. Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now there's a comma there. Why? Because when you're running a race... What are you looking to? The finish line. Notice verse 2. Looking unto who? Jesus. What's that? That's our goal. That's the finish line. Notice, He's the author and what? Finisher of our faith. He created it. It's His faith that's a part of us. He's the finisher of it. He completed it in His death, burial, and resurrection. He is our end goal. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where Jesus is today, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're looking to him. Now, verse number three. For consider him that endured. There's that word endured again. What did he endure? He endured the cross. What was that called? A contradiction of sinners. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He didn't deserve the cross. Jesus Christ, the only person that ever lived that didn't deserve a sinner's death. Why? Because He was God in the flesh. He endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Then we notice the latter part of the verse. Lest we be wearied and faint in your minds. Lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. This morning I want us to learn why we should consider Him. Two reasons from this verse... Verse 3, that we should consider Christ, number one, because He strengthens the weary. He strengthens the weary. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 6. What does it mean to strengthen the weary? What is weariness defined as? What does it mean when we look up this word weary in our Bible? What is it talking about? Well, when we study this word out, Psalm chapter 6, we're going to see something very interesting. It'd help if I turned to Psalm chapter 6 and not chapter 106, amen. It's only 10 verses in chapter 6, and I got a little nervous when I saw verse 12, amen. Psalm chapter 6. When we think of weariness, what do we think of? Tired. We're tired. War out, amen. We're woe out. Ever been woe out? Not just wore out, but woe out, amen. You're just tired. Well, that is part of the definition. But weariness in the Word of God brings with it a much stronger definition. Look at chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Psalm 6, verse one. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger. Neither chasten me in Thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but Thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for Thy mercy's sake. For in what? Death, there is no remembrance of Thee. In the what? Grave, who shall give Thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Let's stop here for just a moment and let's lay some groundwork. Now we're not going to do a depth an in-depth study because we have three other Psalms to look at, as well as several verses in the New Testament, and I intend to be done by twelve, so we don't have to wait a long time to eat and then come back. For I I, want—I'm not going to rush through the message. Amen. So, because I want this to—I want this to hit home for us. Weariness is more than just being tired. There are a lot of things that cause us to be tired. Amen. You wake up at five in the morning. You drive to work. You work 8, 10, 12, 14-hour days. You come home. You raise your family. You get in the bed. Maybe by 11 o'clock, you're wore out. Amen? You're weary by the world's definition. The context of Psalm chapter 6, though, is a little more than just David being tired. If you read the verses, let's look back. Rebuke me not in thine anger. Verse 1. Rebuke me not in thine anger. Why would God rebuke David in his anger? Why is David asking God not to rebuke him or chasten him or correct him out of anger? Because David had sinned against God. This chapter is one, the first of seven what's considered penitent psalms. David is praying a prayer of penitence. He he had been sore vexed because he had displeased God. Now what event in David's life can you recall where he would have displeased God so greatly that it would have caused him to cry out in such a really a disorganized way? There's no no rhythm as far as to the, the, the mercy that's being pled for in this psalm like some of the psalms of forgiveness, like chapter 51, amen? What is this? This is David's conviction and guilt because of the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, sending her husband to death so that he could try to cover up his own sin. Something that didn't really matter who he covered it up from. God knows the intents of the heart. God knows the steps that we take. And so this is the result of mercy being pled for because he was deep in conviction over sin. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thine hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am what? Weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. A lot of Bible students will write during this time period of David's life, and there's not a lot of historical data other than the Psalms that we have on what happened. But a lot of Bible students believed based on the verbiage of the Psalms, that David had been stricken with an illness because of his sin against God. Now, that really shouldn't be of, uh, of any far-fetched uh, il- illustration for us because we do know that in the Old Testament, God would stricken those that sinned against Him with illness. What changed that? You remember, was it the, the, the man that needed to be healed uh, uh, from his, was it his blindness? I, I'm, man, I'm slipping this morning. Uh, uh, he was lame, wasn't he? And they said, who did sin, this man or his parents? And what did Jesus say? Neither one. He needed to be healed to show what? The glory of God. So not every sickness that we have in life in this New Testament age is because we're in direct sin, but in the Old Testament, that was in adult Sunday school this morning, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to start letting Brother Grant write my sermon. <laughs> Amen. They always tie together. Amen. That's always neat when that happens. I didn't. Have, that's not in my notes anywhere. You can't read this chicken scratch. I can barely read it, but it's not in here anywhere. Just Lord laid on my heart and said, "This is what. This is what's there." Amen. But in the Old Testament, sometimes people got sick because they sinned against God. I think of Miriam. Moses and Miriam. What happened? Miriam was stricken with what? Leprosy. Why? Because she spoke against God's man. Don't speak about you. Don't talk bad about your preacher. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, what, that's not the context of, the, of what that's teaching. I've heard people preach that though, which is very sad. Amen. You want to talk bad about me? That's fine. I talk bad about me. It's okay. Amen. But that's what happened to Miriam. She spoke against God's man. Which in essence, because she spoke against Moses and the plan that he laid forth, it wasn't Moses' plan, was it? Whose plan was it? God's plan. So what was she doing? She was going against God's word. What is that? Disobedience. Sin. Psalmist David did the same thing. There are some Bible students that believe that there's not a lot of historical data regarding this position in David's life or this point because he was stricken with leprosy and hid it from the people. I mean, look at the passage. Look at how he cries out. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Remember verse 5? For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? What did he need healed from? Something that he thought he was going to die from as a result of sin. And then we see verse number 6. I am what? weary. This word weary, by definition, if we continued this study, does mean to tire. It does mean to fatigue. But in the definition of the Word of God, as we see it and we study it out, it means to make impatient of continuance. To make impatient of continuance. What does that mean? You want it all just to end. We call it depression. That's what we call it. And so what does the Word of God say here? David was weary. He was weary with his groaning. Why? Because he had been crying out to God. Notice how much he had cried in in, in a very poetic way all the night. Make I my bed to swim. He cries. He laments. And he's weary. He's just ready for it to what? End. Ever been there? Amen. Amen. Let's be honest. Weary. Impatient of continuance. God, why doesn't it just end? Look over at Psalm 69. You say, I thought this was vision Sunday. This is discouraging. Amen. Well, we're only in the first point. Amen. Psalm 69. Look at verse 1. All of this is illustration for weariness because we're learning... That when we consider him, he strengthens, he strengthens the weary. Look at verse one Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried, mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Now here's the interesting thing about Psalm 69. Psalm chapter 69, this cry for help, it is a psalm of David, but there is nothing, nothing in David's life that mirrors this psalm. And while this psalm, if you were to study it out, it's very lengthy, 36 verses, and I would would encourage you to take the time, but what it does mirror, what it does mirror is Jesus Christ and His agony leading up to His death, burial, and resurrection and on the cross. Sometimes when we read the Psalms, we read them from the perspective of David because we know that David was the great poet. He was the psalmist. But we also tend to forget that David was also a prophet. Amen? Amen? A lot of the Psalms are prophetic. Here's a key. Anytime you see the word Selah or Selah in the Psalms, It means what you just read is a prophetic reference to the Jews in the last days. It's a prophetic reference, usually, to the Jews in the last days. Selah is the Hebrew note for rest in music. That's what it's for. Just like in in our music, there's a a rest note that you have. I don't remember what it looks like, amen? Which is probably why, you know, sometimes we sing through them. And Miss Karen and Miss Tracy are trying to figure out, you were supposed to rest, Brother Nathan, (laughs) But that word means rest. You study that out prophetically. Where is the place of rest for the Jew in the end times? Petra in the rock. Where is the rest for the Jew spiritually? Jesus Christ. So when the word... You know, a lot of people say, Selah means stop and think. No, it means rest. So yes, you could say rest here a little while. But it's foretelling of the rest that is to come. And the rest can only come if our foundation is the rock... Jesus Christ. So we forget that the Psalms are very prophetic in nature. Psalm 69 is no different. Here we have this cry for help. And if we were to study this out, this is a prophetic, a prophetic cry in agony. Remember in the Bible? Remember in the New Testament where Jesus prayed and He sweat as it were great drops of blood? You remember that in the New Testament? What was he agonizing? I believe this is where his heart was. Look, verse 4. Sound familiar? Psalm 69 verse 4. They that hate me without a cause. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. What did Jesus tell His disciples? The world hates me. Surely they'll hate you. Look, they that would destroy me. Being mine enemies, how? Verse four wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. He did nothing wrong. Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from me. He said, Well, now wait a second. I thought this was prophetic of Jesus Christ. It is, but you still have the human instrumentation of David in the writing. You see, because that's what God likes to do. He likes to use human instrumentation to carry out His will. People say, oh, that book's just written by men. Couldn't happen. Not possible. That book fits perfectly together. The Holy Spirit authored the book using what? Men. Why? Because that's what brings glory and honor to God. A willing vessel. All of that side note, I got a little sidetracked, amen? Because I get really excited when you read a psalm and you see the prophetic nature. Uh, Let not, verse 6, them that wait on Thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek Thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for Thy sake I have what? Born reproach. Shame hath covered my face. What is that? He's taking on the sins of the world. The prophetic nature. But I want us to notice verse 3. I'm weary of my crying. Impatient of continuance. What did Jesus cry? What did Jesus pray for? If thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but thine be done. Amen? We see the prophetic nature, this weariness, this this tiring of life, this depression, this impatience of continuance, ready for everything just to end. Now, back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Consider Him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Consider Christ, lest ye be wearied. Lest ye be wearied. When you start to get to the place when you're just tired of life, you're weary from this continued existence and you're ready for everything just to end. Consider Christ and He will give you strength. Look at Galatians very quickly, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 9. Here we have the lesson of sowing and reaping, verse 9. Let us not be what? Weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap if we faint not. Let's not be weary in well-doing. If we'll consider Christ, consider the one that died for us. That will strengthen us. Why? Because it's not our strength. It's His. Consider Him, lest ye be weary. Number two, strengthen the weary. Oh, and if you're taking notes, Galatians 6, 9, and 10, He strengthens us to continue. He strengthens us to continue. So we consider Him because when we consider Him, it strengthens the weary. Number two, it encourages the faint. It encourages the faint. Consider Him, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Very quickly, Psalm 107. Psalm 107. The book of Psalms is broken up into five books, actually. It's 150 chapters in Psalms, broken up into five books. Psalm 107 begins that last, that fifth book. It's called the Deuteronomy book by a lot of Bible students. The Deuteronomy book because of its references to the songs that would be sung when the children of Israel were brought out of exile. Excuse me. The Jewish returned from Babylonian exile. The Jewish returned from Babylonian exile. Only about 42,360 Jews returned when they were given opportunity to go. And the first time they went under one named Zerubbabel. They went back and what did they do? They were discouraged. They tried to rebuild and they could not do so. The Jewish returned from Babylonian exile. It was very interesting in that study because it would seem that the majority of the Jews had the mindset, I believe it's Demas, that Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. The Jews were given opportunity to go home. They were given opportunity to go home. And instead, the majority stayed. They had forsaken their homeland, having loved this present world. In 78 years later, they would be led by another man for a second attempt to return to Israel or to Jerusalem. And that man's name was anybody know? Ezra. They would go by Ezra. And Ezra would take and they would start instead of this time, the first time they tried to rebuild the walls, this time they would start with what? The temple. They would start with the temple. Why? Because the walls that man can build are nothing if God does not reside within those walls. Amen. Amen. The protection that comes, comes from God. So it's very interesting. In, In this psalm, chapter 107, we have the song that would have been sung. Verse 1, we see what God deserves. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. This is what they would have sung while they were rebuilding the temple. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. It's what God deserves. Our thanksgiving. Why? Because He is good. His mercy endures forever. Verse 2 is why they would sing this song. It's what God did. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now that's very encouraging. That's a good psalm to start off on. Amen. And you get to verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Pastor James Wiley up in Maine, he always says when he comes down, he's preached at teen camp several times. One of my favorite preachers, I love to hear him. And he always says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then all of his church says so. Amen. And now he's got them to where they all say amen. Because if we're redeemed, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, amen, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we should be willing to say it. I'm redeemed. Amen. So, we're not going to start doing that right now. Maybe this afternoon we'll try that. Amen. But maybe next time I say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, we can all say amen. Let's not say so, because, you know, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying literally say the word so. (laughs) He's saying, let the redeemed of the Lord tell people. Let them sing it out. Let them praise it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. I'm redeemed. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So we see What God did, He redeemed them. Verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Who's the they? Israel. Verse 5, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death being bound in the affliction of iron. Now there's something that we see here in these first eight verses. I want us to go back. I want us to look back. Let's go to verse... Let's go to verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul what? Fainted. Fainted. Now when we're considering Christ, we've already learned that He strengthens the weary. But when we're considering Christ, we also see that He encourages the faint. What are they fainting of? Hunger and thirst. They were faint in their minds. They were faint in their bodies. And, well, I'm I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but we have a few more minutes. To faint means to, to sink into dejection or to lose courage or spirit. Could you imagine wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, following a pillar of cloud by day in a pillar of fire by night. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness waiting for the go-ahead to get into the land that they could call their own. Could you imagine? They went into uh, uh, exile because they had turned their back on God hundreds and hundreds of years later. Longing to go back. Only a small remnant desiring, but longing. Longing, hungering, and thirsting after their homeland, to worship the God that is the only God. Hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. How often in life have we gone through and we have, so to speak, become hungry and thirsty in soul and ready to give up on God. Looking for something to strengthen us sinking into dejection, losing spirit, losing courage. Turn to Psalm 27. Look at Psalm 27. Look at Psalm 27, verse 13, quickly. We're going to find an answer... To our faint soul. The psalmist David says in Psalm 27 verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the what? Goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Hold on. I'm, don't go, you don't have to turn back there, but in Psalm 107 verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His Goodness. Notice, I had fainted. The psalmist David had enemies all about him. His family was letting him down. He was constantly running for his life in the beginning of his reign. And even during his reign, there were times because they were constantly at war. David was a bloody man. I had fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. You know, when we're weary, and we can be weary from many things. We saw the psalmist David in that example. We can be weary because of sin. We saw the prophetic psalm of Jesus Christ and the sin that overwhelmed Him because of the sins of the world being placed on His shoulders. And we can see that sin can weary us. We can see that this life can become weary because of the sin, maybe not in our own life, but the sin all around us. And then it's easy when we're weary to become faint and to get depressed and to get anxious and to sink down and to feel like we can't get any courage and we just don't want to go on. And then the psalmist David said, I had fainted unless I'd believed on who? God! You want courage? You want strength? We need to consider Christ because Christ is good. I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Notice the next verse, verse 14. Wait. How do we receive courage? How are we strengthened when we're weary? How are we encouraged when we're faint? Wait on the Lord. Be of what? Good courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord now remember we said this Wednesday night what is repetition God's volume control amen Amen. so when God says something one time we really need to take note but when he says it twice well, we really need to pay attention to this thing there's something to this wait on the Lord okay I can do that that's important I can wait God's in control sometimes I need to remind myself that hourly every minute of every day wait on the Lord wait on the Lord Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen thine heart. All right. I can be of good courage. He's in charge. He's going to give me strength. What else does the psalmist say? Oh, wait. He's just repeating himself. Wait, I say on the Lord. How many of you, when you've been trying to teach your children something, you tend to repeat the same thing, and the second time you say it, you get a little louder. Amen? Just in case they didn't get it the first time. Don't touch that stove. Don't touch the, don't touch the stove. Amen? You, you see what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Wait on the Lord. But God, you don't understand. I'm, I'm losing strength. I can't make it through. Wait on the Lord. But God, I'm so discouraged. I feel like I'm all alone. Wait on the Lord. Be of good strength. What does the psalmist say? I don't know the verse verbatim, but I'm pretty sure the Scripture teaches us that he has never seen the righteous forsaken. Amen. Never seen the righteous forsaken. Wait on the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just a few things, we're almost, we're almost done. Like a good steak, amen. Almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look down at verse 14. What are we waiting on? Why is waiting on the Lord going to give us strength and courage? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 14. Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the things giving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we what? Faint not. But though our outward man perish, well, this outward man can get fatigued. Amen. This outward man can get weary. This physical body can want to give up at times. But... The inward man is renewed day by day. Well, you may be weak. You may feel weary. You may feel faint. You may feel like you're just ready to give up. You may have a spouse on the other side. You may have a brother on the other side. You may have a mother, a father on the other side. You may have children on the other side. And sometimes it's easy to think, God, just take me now. I'm dejected with life. I'm done. I'm ready to end. And what does he say? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Though the outward man perish, I'm not the same as I used to be. I don't have as much strength as I used to. You want to know what I hear of Christians as they get older? Never one time have I ever heard a saint say as they're nearing death's door, I wish I had worked more. Never. Amen. Amen. As, As you get older and you get closer to death and your family moves on, then maybe they get married to their different stations in life. Never have I said heard someone say on their deathbed or as they get closer, I wish I had earned more money. It doesn't happen. Not of God's people. Amen. You can't take it with you. So what good's it doing in your bank account when you're laying on your deathbed? Well, I've left a good for my children. You've just given them a more comfortable place to go to hell from. Amen unless they're Christians, then their focus shouldn't be on that. Amen? Amen? So what example are we leaving for them? If we're considering Christ, then we're to the one who, when these hard times come, because hard times will come, spiritual hard times will come, only God can give you the strength when you're weary. Only God can encourage you when you're faint. Amen. Because even though that outward man's dying... Even though that cancer might have spread throughout your body and there's no hope, even though you're laid up in a hospital and you're looking, you're looking for answers and you're wondering and you're curious, that inward man is renewed day by day. I remember the story of Ralph Sr. as he was dying in his 80s. I don't remember what he died from, I was a young teenager. I remember I never heard that man complain. Now that's not saying he didn't because all of the best of men are men at best. Amen. We all complain. We all have times where we wonder where we second guess. But I remember that day that he died. I remember Brother Matthew, my senior, my senior high Sunday school teacher. That was his grandfather. and He was in the room the day that he died. And he says that as he was laying in that bed in full awareness of his family around him and they were sitting enjoying some time, he He was laying on his bed in his house and he said, he said, lift lift me up. And so Brother Matthew's mom's name is Miss Becky. She went over thinking maybe he's having a hard time breathing. She wanted to be lifted up, get a little air, get things situated. So she lifted him up. And he said, no, 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 lift lift me up a little higher. And so she had to get Dwight over there, his son-in-law, amen, or his his, his grandson-in-law over there because... Miss Becky couldn't lift him up, so, so Brother Dwight lifted him up. They were thinking he was struggling for air. He said, No, no, lift me higher. And they said, Poppy, we can't, we can't lift you any higher. you, you, you got to be, that's as, that's as best as we can. He says, No, lift me up. I can see Jesus. That outward man was perishing, that inward man was renewing, he was ready. He was, why? Because he had dedicated his life considering Christ. On his deathbed, he was looking for that preeminent one. As Hebrews tells us, he was looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. What does it mean to consider? What does it mean to consider? It means, very quickly, to diligently search. To diligently search. And this afternoon, we're going to look at the second half of this sermon. Amen? And we're going to learn about what it means to consider. So we've looked this morning, though. What I want us to understand is the importance of considering Him. Why do we go to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why is it so important? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Who cares? Right? Who cares how much I'm here? Who cares how much I read? Who cares how much I pray? I'm going to heaven. We need to consider Him because there's going to come time in your life if you are a Christian. If you have spiritually passed from death unto life, there will be a time in your life when you will be weary and faint. And what are you going to need? You're going to need some strength for the journey. You're going to need some encouragement during the hard times. And you're not going to find that. You're not going to find that. You're not going to find it anywhere but in Christ, in Christ alone. Every head bowed, every eye closed.